0: Well, good morning. It's a glorious morning, isn't it? Anytime we have the opportunity to come together as a faith family or friends and, 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 and believers, it's a, it's a good day. And so I'm excited about this morning, excited about us being able to continue our time of worship together. If you're visiting with us this morning, let me just tell you, we've been walking through a sermon series um, in the book of James. And our um, so far, we have looked at a few different messages. We've looked at trials all of us go through trials. As we looked at, it's not a matter of if trials come, but when trials come, right? Some of you are in the midst of a trial now. You've been a part of trials since we started this sermon series. Um, We looked at wisdom, And, and in the midst of our trials, we have this promise in Scripture that if we pray to the Lord and ask for wisdom, He will give it to us generously because our God is a generous God, isn't He? Last week, we looked at a faith at work, how we are all called to be doers of the Word, not just hearers, but doers. We looked at how we are to hear the Word, obey the Word, and be blessed by the Word. In fact, last week, um, as one of my illustrations, we looked at a video um, from a commercial that was probably... I don't know, 30 years old, um, dealing with the Whisper 2000. I told you that we bought one of these for my mom one time and my dad couldn't find it. And so this week he found the Whisper 2000. So I just want you to see this is a real thing, all right? This is real. And what does this do? It enhances our listening. And so I could probably hear Justin back there if he started whispering with this thing. Um, so I, will, I may hook this up, Justin, to see if you're talking here in church this morning, all right? But here's the deal. The reason that I kind of talked about the Whisper 2000 is because it's important for us to listen to the Word of God. Because how else are we going to be changed by the Word unless we hear the Word? And as we hear the Word, we're called to be doers of the Word. And last week we also looked at some specific goals for us as a church throughout the 2020 year. And those goals were, um, we're praying that as a church, the Lord will allow us to impact the community that we live in, that the Lord will give us favor and that we see 20 salvations, that the Lord will give us favor and that we see 20 people baptized, that the Lord will give us favor and we see 40 people added to to our numbers. Um, Are we going to manipulate those numbers? No. But we're going to pray that the Lord will help us to reach our community. There's thousands upon thousands of people outside the doors of this church that don't know Jesus Christ. There are thousands of people outside the doors of this church that are not plugged into a local church. Let's be the hands and feet of Christ. Let's be doers of the word and go and impact the community that we live in. Now this morning, we're going to be looking at the marks of true religion. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to James chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. We're actually going to go through verse 13 of chapter 2. But to start out with this morning, we're just going to begin by reading the last two verses of James chapter 1, and then we'll pick up with the other verses when we get to those. But James chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we read these words. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. As Christians, our lives are to be distinctly different from the lives of those that are not believers, right? Our message point is this, what we have on the inside reveals itself by what we do on the outside. If we got the Word in us, the Word is going to come out. If we got wickedness in us, wickedness is going to come out, right? Let's pray together before we get going with this message. Father God, we come before you again now this morning. And Father, we ask that you will just speak to each one of us. Father, speak to me. Father, continue to reveal to me the truth of your word. So that I allow your word to get all up in me so that it can come out. And it can get on to other people. That's what you've called us to be. You've called us to take your word, read it, study it, and apply it by getting it out of us so that we can be doers of it. So, Lord, we pray that you will help us to do that this morning. Help us to re- be receptive of your word. Father, again, speak to us and through us. And may all of us leave changed as a result of our time together. First, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So our first point is this, true and acceptable religion exhibits restrained speech. Verse 26 again says, If anyone thinks he is religious but does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. You know, James begins by saying, if anyone thinks he is religious. You know, this word, religion, is a word that, that doesn't necessarily have a, a positive um, connotation, does it? You know, when you talk to somebody about religion, sometimes that's about as hard to talk to them about religion as it is politics, right? Those are two conversations that you have with a lot of people, and they are not received very well. Is that right? Have you ever been in a heated conversation with someone about religion or about politics? Yeah, we all have, and probably that conversation didn't end very well because you both went your separate ways, um, keeping your own beliefs. Well, when James wrote this epistle, You can be sure sure that the word religion was not a positive word during James's day either. There were many religions and many gods to be worshipped. James writes to his readers, making it clear that it's one thing to think you are religious, but it's another thing to be religious. It's almost like saying it's one thing to be a Christian or to think you're a Christian, but it's another thing to be a Christian. And I think all of us would agree with that. You know, there's been many, many people that have sat through worship service after worship service after worship service thinking that they were believers in Christ, only later on in their life to realize that their lives were never transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning, that may be you. You may be real good at religion, but you're not real good at being a follower of Christ. What we get on the inside of us, needs to get out of us as well. If Jesus is in us, then Jesus will come out of us. To help illustrate this this morning, James indicates that a person's religion is worthless if they cannot control their tongue. Have you ever sat back um, at a doctor's office and just wondered, why in the world do I have to stick my tongue out um, when I go into the doctor's office. It doesn't matter if you've got a sore throat or a stubbed toe. The doctor's probably going to have you stick out your tongue and say aw, right? And, and, and as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I came across something. It just dawned on me. You know why a doctor asks you to stick your tongue out? Because your tongue tells you a whole lot about your health. So if you go to the doctor's office and you stick out your tongue and there's a bunch of white stuff on it, That means you've got this thing called oral thrush, which is a yeast infection. That's not good, all right? If you stick your tongue out and your tongue is bright red and it resembles a strawberry... That means you probably got some kind of disease, this thing called Kawasaki disease, and that's not good either. If you stick your tongue out and you absolutely have no bumps on and it's just as smooth as it can be, the doctor knows that you probably have a vitamin deficiency. If you stick your tongue out and it's all hairy and ugly looking and black, that means you're not brushing your teeth enough, all right? So hopefully nobody in this room falls into that category. But if you stick your tongue out and your tongue is nice and pink and it's got like little white dots all over it, that means that you're you're pretty healthy. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor, have them stick their tongue out, and let's do a health evaluation right now. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. Please don't scare people away. One writer indicated, by examining the tongue of a patient, Physicians find out the disease of the body and philosophers the disease of the mind. What James is saying here is that a clear indication of your walk with Jesus Christ can be determined by your tongue. It can be determined by your speech. Think about that. This little tiny muscle in our mouth can give evidence as to whether or not we are believers in Christ or not. That's that's pretty powerful thought isn't it to realize that I mean how many times have we used this tongue to praise the Lord and how many times have we used this tongue to curse our neighbor or our enemy or even maybe even use the Lord's name in vain that's how powerful this tongue is last week we looked at James chapter 1 verses 19 through 20 and again those words Say, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We looked at the importance of, of hearing the word quickly. And I use the illustration of, of when you go into a doctor's office and, and that doctor begins to speak, what do you do? You kind of perk up. Because you want to hear what that doctor has to say because what's about to come out of his mouth is going to be both a diagnosis as well as a solution to get better, right? So we get the prescription as well as the treatment from that doctor. And that's how we're to hear the word of God. We're to hear it as if we're sitting on the edge of our seat, as if every word is, is, is a powerful word from the Lord. Also, we are to speak slowly. The Lord gave us two ears and one mouth. We are to listen twice as much as we speak. And we're also to be slow to anger. When we learn to tame the tongue, we will be more effective followers of Jesus Christ. What comes out of our mouth gives evidence of our spiritual That's what James is saying here. Jesus also said this in Matthew 15, 18. He said, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. What we put into our minds, what we put into our body, what we put into our heart is going to eventually come out, isn't it? If we sow the word, the word's going to come out. If we sow wickedness, wickedness is going to come out. We need to keep our tongues in check, don't we? Notice also, true and acceptable religion demonstrates sacrificial care. In verse 27, we read, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In verse 26, we get a picture of what worthless religion looks like. And now in verse 27, we get a picture of what acceptable religion looks like. James wrote, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, Help those who are in need. James specifically identifies two groups of people here. He identifies widows and he identifies orphans. Why does he highlight these two groups? It is because these two groups were considered to be social outcasts during Jesus's day. And even up until modern time, widows and orphans have been seen to be social outcasts. And even in parts of this world today, they are still seen that way. Back in the day, Back in Jesus' day, whenever a, a husband died, they did not leave behind a life insurance. When a father or a husband or a parent died, there were no social services to offer a hand out. There were none of those things. So these individuals were, were, were left to fend for themselves. And no greater example of that is in, in Scripture than, than in the story, the story of Ruth. Remember the story of Ruth, Naomi and her husband and two sons, they went to Moab. And while they were in Moab, the sons took two wives, but all three of those men died. And Naomi was left alone. These two widows were left alone. They had no one to provide care for them. And so one day, Naomi gets word that the conditions in Judah were better. And so they went back to Judah. And, and, and only Naomi and Ruth went back. And whenever they get back, man, they're poor. They're desolate. They don't have anything. And so what does Ruth do? Ruth gets up every morning, and she went out, and she, she gleaned from, from the pasture of a man named Boaz. She was able to, to pick some of the wheat, and she was able to take that back home to provide nourishment for her and Naomi. This story ends well, doesn't it? It ends well because Ruth finds her kinsman redeemer in Boaz. And, 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 and they get married and it ends up being a very happy ending. But there are thousands upon thousands of people around our world today that are not living a happy ever after. And two of those groups of people that are not living a happy ever after are widows and orphans. And you and I have been commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to take care of these. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And we are to do that. You know, I've had the opportunity to go to, on mission trips to Russia um, two different times. And I've been there four times. The first two times were, were preview trips. And um, the very first time that, that we went there, we went um, to an orphanage. And while we were there in that orphanage on the preview trip, we kind of got an idea of the conditions of what an orphanage looks like in Russia. And let me tell you something, it is not a pretty sight. It was, it was heartbreaking is what it is. When you stand by the cradle um, of a child that has no mom and dad and the caregiver that they have is not very good, it will break your heart. While we were in Russia on those two different trips, we experienced that heartache. We were able to sow the gospel into the lives of, of students and adults there, but we also were left with, with a broken heart because of the conditions that they lived in. The second um, mission trip that, that we took to, to Russia was partnering with a church. And and we did some construction projects and some vacation Bible school projects while we were there. and And... While we were there, there was this little old lady. When I say little, I mean she was little, okay? Most precious lady that you would have ever met, just as sweet as she could be. She had absolutely nothing, and that was made known to us from the very beginning of the week. And so we kind of loved on her and encouraged her. Well, one day she wanted to provide lunch for the entire team. And so she we don't know if she went out and purchased this or what, but she went out and got her a fish. And she made fish stew for everybody on our team, and basically what it was, the way I understand it, it was water and fish that was broken up and she fed the entire team with that, and she fed um, all of the workers that were part of the church and and If you know me, if it comes out of the water and i don 't know i don 't care what it is i don 't eat it okay and so this lady reaches out and hands me a bowl of this soup, and with a grateful heart, I said to her, spasiba, which means thank you. I was grateful for that. And after we were done eating, um, the, the missionary there on the ground turned to me and, and, and said, that literally was all the food that she had. And she has just shared that with us. I mean, that just will rip you, rip you apart. And so let me tell you, we left her a generous gift to help her restock her refrigerator and her freezer. But before we left, which I believe it was on the last day that we were there, this lady um, came and she gave me um, a, a, I, th- I think it was, it was either this Ziploc bag that she gave me or she may have put everything in this little black trash bag here. But I had never opened this um, other than to receive this gift until last night. Um, I I'd remembered that I kept this, these, these gifts from her. And there's a tape in here that has never been opened. There is a, I believe it's the Gospel of John in Russian. So if anybody can read that and verify that for me, that would be great. And then she left a little pen. Um, and, and you know, this probably was a pen from back during the communist days is, is what she, she gave me. And then inside this little trash bag here, there is a um, a little... that she had made, and I don't know if she made this while we were there um, with our team or not, or if she made it um, some other time. It just says, Peace on Earth. And, um, you know, at first I thought that I was getting a bunch of junk from this lady. But I found out afterwards, um, the missionary also told me that, that what that lady had done is she went through her house and she identified the most valuable possessions that she had and she gave those to you. Man, that just, once again, just tore me up. But it just shows me the value of God's children. Regardless of age, regardless regardless of wealth and socioeconomic status, all of God's people are valuable to Him. You and I have been commanded by God to demonstrate sacrificial and compassionate care towards widows and orphans, just like those in Russia, We've got widows and orphans right here in our backyard. We've got widows in our church that we've been commanded to help, haven't we? And we do help. And some of my favorite people, I love all of you, but some of my favorite people in this church are the widows. I just want you to know that right now, okay? Because they're precious to God. We've been commanded by God to take care of them. We are to invest in them. Not only are we to invest in our widows, but we're also to invest in orphans and foster children. And that looks different for everybody. Sometimes it's going to provide a a Bible club at Buckner International or another service like that. Some of you in this room have been adopted or you have adopted. Maybe the Lord's leading you to do that to take care of orphans or foster. James also indicates that in order to have a pure and undefiled religion before God, then we need to keep ourselves unstained from the world. Verse 27 again says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We have to be careful to guard against the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the things that we are exposed to. And you know what else, folks? we got to be careful when it comes to the things that we send via social media, whether that's Facebook or an Instagram or a TikTok or a Twitter. Um, what else is out there? Um, you've got um, Snapchat and dozens of different social media platforms. You know, we may not physically speak something hateful and destructive, but we certainly can easily send something, and sometimes that's a little bit easier, isn't it? Someone hacks you off, you get on that phone, and I'll tell you off right now. Well, that's dangerous, isn't it? That's not being a good witness for Christ. And I'm going to tell you now that I believe that you and I live in one of the most dangerous times in all of human history because of social media because of, of, of the World Wide Web, because of how easy it is to be exposed to evil as well as to share evil. We need to keep ourselves pure by abstaining from unwholesome things. Next, true and acceptable religion shows no favoritism. So t- chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 these are the words of the Lord. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are pure in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So right here at the very beginning, my brothers show no partiality Let me ask you a question. How many of you have a favorite friend? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have a favorite relative? Raise your hand. How many of you have a favorite sibling? Raise your hand. How many of you have a favorite parent? Raise your hand. How many of you have a favorite child? Raise your hand. Depends on the day, right? Let's be honest with that one. James is instructing us this morning to show no favoritism toward those who walk into the doors of the church. In Deuteronomy 10, 17, we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe." Lord is impartial. Acts Peter said these words in Acts 10:35 so Peter opened his mouth and said truly i understand that god shows no partiality you and i also must be careful that we do not show partiality toward others we cannot show partiality towards someone based on their pink account or the clothes that they wear or the cars that they drive or the color of their skin or the language that they speak or the country that they are from. When James wrote this letter, classes were a big deal. And we see that all throughout Scripture. Peter, people were given categories like Jew or Gentile, slave or poor, rich, Slave or free, rich or poor, Greek or barbarian, just to name a few. When Jesus came, you know what Jesus did? Jesus destroyed those barriers, didn't he? Jesus came making it clear that all of us represent what is called the human race. Regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of the language that we speak, regardless of where we come from, and regardless of how thick our wallets are, we represent the human race. And we are loved by God. All are loved by God. And if God doesn't show partiality, then we should not either. In and, in and, and Ephesians chapter two, verses eleven through sixteen, Paul wrote these words. Therefore, remember that one time you. Hostility. If Jesus came to destroy those classes, then why is Sunday morning one of the most segregated days in all of the week? Why is it that, why do we have white churches and black churches and Hispanic churches and Asian churches and Middle Eastern churches? Why do we have so many different churches if Jesus came to destroy those classes? Because birds of a feather flock together, right? We've got to be careful not to do that. If Jesus didn't show partiality, we must not show partiality either. In James 2, 5 through 7, again, we read, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom who has he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man and not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? You and I must be careful not to show preferential treatment toward others. Remember, God extended his grace to all, rich, poor, black, white, Brown, red, all the different colors. God's, God also warned against dishonoring the poor. He said the rich oppress the poor. They take advantage of them and they drag them to court. You and I have got to be careful that we don't take advantage of others, whether that be people that come to this church or those that you do life with outside the doors of this church because all of them are child of God. All of us are child, children of God, right? We also see here that we are to, true and acceptable religion is, express, is expresses it expresses unconditional love. In verses 8 and 9 of James 2, we read, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law, as transgressors. Love is the fulfillment of the law. When Jesus asked, was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If you and I love God and love our neighbor, we're fulfilling the law, aren't we? However, if we show partiality towards someone based on any condition they might have, then we are being judgmental. And and the Bible right here says that that is a sin. We have to be careful not to do that. You may say, well, I love the Lord. love the Lord with all my heart. But... I may not always love my neighbor. I'm getting 50% right here, so that's good, right? No. We can't. There is no such thing as a half sin. There is a full sin. And for us to show partiality, that means we are falling short of God's um, command for our lives. True and acceptable religion also obeys God's commands. Verses 10 and 11, we read, For whoever keeps the whole law, But fails in one point has been guilty of it all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. What James is doing here is he is he's telling us to guard ourselves against selective obedience. There is a real danger in that. There is a danger in us taking bits and pieces from God's Word and obeying bits and pieces but not the whole of it. You may say, well, man, I don't murder. I know that that's wrong. I'll never do that. Well, but I may tell a little white lie over here or I may take a little piece of candy from here or I may take this or that from from work, but that's okay because that's not hurting anybody. Well, Breaking God's law or command, it doesn't matter how big or how small it is, it's still a sin. Part of keeping the entire law requires us to love God, love our neighbor, and take care of widows and orphans and to also learn to control our tongue. Our final point this morning is this. True and acceptable religion extends mercy. Verses 12 and 13 we read, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Our sermon series is A Faith That Works. This is a series calling us to put into practice the Word of God. And you know one way that we put into practice the Word of God and become doers of the Word of God? We extend grace and mercy to other people. After all, grace and mercy was extended to us, right? The Lord extended amazing grace toward every single one of us. What all of us in this room deserve is eternal separation from God in a real place called hell, right? But we've been extended grace and mercy by our good and loving Father. May all of us in this room recognize that the greatest way we can show Love to others is not by condemning someone for their sins, but by pointing them to the one who can forgive them of their sins. Last week, I received a phone call from a guy that I have not talked to in over five years, former church member, um, and the phone rang, and I looked down, and I saw his name on my caller ID. And I looked at that, and I let the phone ring several times. And I was like, I'm not going to answer that. I don't want to have anything to do with that person. But the Lord said, answer it. And so I answered the phone, and, and you know, I said hello. And on the other end was this gentleman, and, and right out of his mouth is he said, Chad, I need to ask you to forgive me. And he said that I had... Um, I I wronged you, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And, man, I'll tell you what. I wanted to say, ask a million different whys. Why did you do this? Why did you let that happen? Why, why, why? But you know what I said? I said, I forgive you. And then I said, if I had wronged you in any way, then I need you to forgive me as well. You know, Before Jesus forgave us, he did not ask the why question, did he? He didn't say before he he accepted my forgiveness. Whenever I said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. He didn't say, why, Chad, did you do X, Y, and Z? And he didn't say that to you either. When you came unto him and you said, Lord, forgive me for my wrongdoing, the Lord didn't say, why, 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 why? Because there would have been a whole lot of whys with me, I know. I don't know about with you. You are a better people than I am, so probably not quite as many whys. But you know what? God extended grace and mercy to us, right? You know what he's called us to do? He's called us to extend grace and mercy toward those that have wronged us as well. What Jesus did for us on the cross is he demonstrated his great love for us. In Romans 5, 8, we read, But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now he wants us to demonstrate that same love to other people. In 1 John three sixteen, we read, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. We've been called to sacrificially love other people, right? Just remember, our takeaway this morning is our message point. What we have on the inside reveals itself by what we do on the outside. What we put in here comes out. It will eventually come out, right? Sometimes the words that come out are destructive. Sometimes the words that come out are uplifting. And what we have to do as we looked at this morning, the marks of true and acceptable religion, we've got to learn to control this little muscle in our mouth called the tongue. And in the world that we live in today, we've also got to learn to con- control our thumbs as well, right? We need to demonstrate sacrificial care toward widows and orphans. We need to be careful not to show favor- favoritism toward others. We need to express unconditional love. We need to obey God's commands. And we need to extend mercy. That's, what's, that's what true religion looks like. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. And we need to do those things as we go out and become doers of the word. As we go out and seek to share the gospel with 20 people. See 20 people baptized. See 40 people added to our kingdom. We've got to extend God's grace and mercy to other people. You may be here this morning and you don't have a relationship With the Lord. If you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. You have no clue where you'd spend eternity. I want you to know this morning you can know because God extended His love and mercy and grace to you whenever Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross for our sins. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. If you're here this morning and the Lord's leading you to to, to make friendship your church home, we'd love for you to do that. You may be here this morning, and, and you just need to spend some time in prayer. You know, there may be um, someone that the Lord is calling you to reach out to and, and extend sacrificial care to. Maybe somebody you need to extend mercy to. You may have said something that you need to seek forgiveness for. I don't know what kind of decision we need to make this morning, but let's be obedient and respond to the Lord as he leads us. Let's stand together, and we're going to pray together. Father God, we come before you now again just thanking you for the opportunity to open up your word, Lord. Father, I know that this message is, has been a much heavier message than the first couple of messages that we walked through through the book of James, Lord. But we know that your word, Father, Lord, it, it does make our lives so much easier. Father, we're not constrained by the law as, as we once were. But we live under grace because we have expe- experienced your love, has been extended to us, your blood has covered us. And because of that, Lord, we're able to all, today all of us believers in this room we are all able to come together with a heavy weight removed from us knowing that we have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ there may be some here this morning though that have yet to be set free by the blood of Jesus I pray Lord Jesus that today will be the day of their salvation Father I don't know what kind of decision needs to be made today but I know that you do Lord just speak to us and help us to respond appropriately your word. First in Jesus' name we pray.